0: A servant of Christ Jesus sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Luke, the dearly beloved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of Laodicea. So see to it that you read to them the letter from Laodicea. And tell tell Archipapus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand remember my chains peace be with you this morning we have the opportunity to hear from a guest preacher Uh, scott and i got to know each other at dts when he was a student there and then we became friends and got to know each other better when i became a member and started attending wood creek church here in richardson scott and his wife have been at wood creek for 25 years and he served 11 of those years on the pastoral staff and is presently serving as an elder at the church. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege for me to be able to sit under Scott's teaching again, and I'm excited for all of you, so I'm thankful that he is here. Would you please give a warm welcome to my friend, Scott Stonehouse? Thank you, Stenaric. Thank you. That was a very nice introduction. <laughs>
1: Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. My family loves Olive Garden. Uh, Now, I'm not saying it's the best restaurant there is. I'm just saying if there is a birthday, an anniversary, some reason to celebrate, we're probably going to end up at Olive Garden because it's a restaurant we all agree on. We love the endless supply of breadsticks. We love their soup and their salad. As far as entrees go, my standard is the fettuccine alfredo with chicken. My wife loves the chicken parm. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Amen. My wife loves the chicken parm. You know, I mean, we love the entrees. And when the food's done, then they bring the dessert. We like all of the desserts. And so often we will get one of each and just share them. And over the course of dinner, we will laugh, we will joke, we will have conversation, ask one another questions, we'll celebrate whatever we're celebrating. And at some point, near the end of that, the waiter or waitress will bring the bill. But with that, there will be a little mound of Andy's mints. Now, now the Andy's mints, right, yeah, the, the Andy's mints we love. Uh, they're not the main course, they're not even the dessert But if the waiter or waitress brought the bill without the Andes mints, there would be a problem. I'm just telling you, we would be discouraged and depressed because we didn't get the Andes mints as part of the meal. Brothers and sisters, this message is the Andes mints of the Colossians feast that y'all have been having over the last several weeks. Y'all have been in Colossians for a couple of months now. I've listened to all of the messages And they've been fantastic. Messages talking about the preeminence of Christ and the implications of that. How we are to live our lives because Christ is preeminent. This message is not the main point of Colossians. It's not even the secondary point or the third or fourth level point. This is 12 verses at the end of the passage where Paul is greeting people. And yet it does have value. And so my hope this morning is that I can show you some value in a passage that is often skipped over. Passages like this that are often skipped over. I have three big ideas I want to share with you about this passage. The first big idea is going to be about 80% of our time together. And the second and third big ideas will be very brief as far as the time Of the message. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. While you're doing that, let me set up the first big idea. I believe that all Scripture is God breathed, that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I really, genuinely believe that that is true. However, how does that apply to passages like this that boil down to, hey, tell Joe I said hi, thanks for reading my letter, I hope to see you soon. Like, how exactly is that profitable for teaching and correction and reproof and training in righteousness? To be honest, for most of my life, I have not had a good answer to that question. And then several years ago, I read this book right here. Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. By the way, I have a couple of copies. I'm going to give these away after the message. So the first two people who ask me for these, you have a gift. But in this book, what Donald Whitney demonstrates is how you can use any passage of scripture to prompt your prayers. And so that is the first big idea this morning about this passage is pray the Bible, pray the Bible. And I want to show you by walking through this passage and just making some observations and how these verses prompt me, I want to show you how this passage and other passages like it can guide you in your prayer life. Now, one note before we jump into the first verse, and that is these are not the right answers, right? I'm not giving you right answers when we walk through these verses. I'm giving you some observations that I see, and how these verses prompted me to want to pray to the Lord. And so maybe they're going to resonate with you. Maybe when you read one of these verses, you're going to be prompted differently to pray. All right, with that disclaimer, let's begin. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. It says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Well, like Tychicus, we can tell one another about what is going on in our lives and what's going on in our churches, especially when we're talking to brothers and sisters who go to other churches. There are many people at Wood Creek Church that love Steneric and Lisa. And so I could sit here and go, hey, Sean and Sarah, say hello to y'all. Did you know they adopted B, And they've got two foster boys now that they have in their family. And by the way, Lisa, my mom, says hello. She wants, hopes you're doing well. She wanted me to say hi. And when I go back to Wood Creek next week, they're gonna say, hey, how are Stan and Lisa? Are they doing well? Is the church good? Right? We can encourage one another by sharing what is going on in our lives and what's going on in our churches with brothers and sisters. And so we could use this verse to prompt us to pray, Lord, help me to be a beloved brother or sister to those who are in my family or a beloved brother and sister to those who are in my church. Lord, help me to be a faithful in the areas where I minister at the church. Lord, help me to serve alongside others. These are all words that were used of Tychicus that I can try and apply to myself. Help me to be this kind of person, Lord. Verse 9 says, And with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So Onesimus, this is interesting, because he used to be part of their church. It's just the last time he was there, he was a slave that belonged to another member of the church named Philemon. And then he ran away. And somehow he bumps into Paul in Rome, becomes a believer, or something happens there, right? And now Paul is sending him back, not only with this letter to the Colossians, but a letter to Philemon. Okay, the first thing that comes to my mind is awkward, (laughs) potentially dangerous for Onesimus. Has that ever happened to you? Has someone ever left your family or left your church under bad circumstances? And can you imagine how awkward or difficult it would be for them to come back? And if they did, how would you receive them? We can pray, Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to be a beloved brother or sister like Onesimus. Lord, help me to receive those who come to church. Help me to be gracious and merciful. Or like Paul, we could pray, Lord, help me to be a peacemaker between the people I know and the people I love when I have opportunities to try and make peace between people, as Paul is trying to do between Onesimus and Philemon. The next verse, verse 10, says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. So Aristarchus is a fellow prisoner. That can prompt me, that can prompt us to remember for those who are in prison. Specifically to pray for those who are in prison and persecuted around the world for the gospel. And then he mentions Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Again, there's another interesting note. Paul and Barnabas split up over this guy. Like on an earlier missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas had gone out, Mark was with them, and at some point in the missionary journey, he bails. And then later, they want to go on another missionary journey, Barnabas wants to take Mark. And Paul says, no, nah, not a good idea. And Barnabas goes, I want to take Mark. Paul says, not a good idea. I want to take Mark. These two godly men, who had served together very effectively, for the sake of the gospel, split over Mark. Barnabas takes Mark, Paul takes Silas, and the ministry continues. Now, we don't have all the details of the story, but what we see here is years later, now Paul is writing to the Colossians because he's working with Mark in some capacity And he's saying, hey, you've already heard, I've already told you this. If Mark shows up, welcome him. Help him out, right? Have you ever felt, or do you currently feel like you've failed God? That you've just made a mistake that you can't come back from. That God would never want to use you now because of what you did before. This is a beautiful reminder that we can come back from failure. That because we mess up, God doesn't discard us. We can make mistakes in ministry, we can make mistakes in our life, and God will still use us. And so we could use this to prompt us to pray, thank you Lord for not discarding me. Thank you, Lord. Help me to believe that. Help me to believe that you still want to use me. Lord, help me to welcome those who are sent to us, even if they might have failed before. Verse 11 says this, And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. We don't know much about justice, named Jesus, but we can use this verse to say, hey, I want to be a worker for the kingdom of God. Lord, help me to be a worker for the kingdom of God and help me to comfort others just as justice comforted Paul. Verses 12 and 13 say this, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. So like Epaphras, we can pray, Lord, help me to be a servant of Jesus. Help me to struggle to work hard in prayer that others may stand firm. In their faith, that others may be fully assured in your will. We can also apply that to ourselves. Lord, help me to stand firm. Help me to stand mature in my faith and in the assurance of your will. We can also pray for other churches. He mentions Laodicea and Hierapolis. We can pray for other churches. Do you do that? Do you pray for other churches? May I make a request? I go to Wood Creek Church. I would love for you all to, play, to pray for Wood Creek Church, just as we pray for you. I have friends who attend other churches in the, in the city, outside the city. I have friends who are on the pastoral staff at other churches in the city, outside the city. And I pray for those churches. So you can know that there will be some people at Wood Creek Church who will be praying for Trinity Fellowship Church on a regular basis. We can do that. Verse 14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Luke, the beloved physician, immediately makes me think I should pray for doctors and nurses. For all those first responders who help keep us well, and when we're not, they take care of us. Demas Unfortunately, we know a little bit more about him. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, we find out that Demas deserts Paul. And That can be a prompt for me to not think that that can never happen to me. So, Lord, would you keep me close? Father, would you hold on to me when it's hard for me to hold on to you? Keep me, Lord, from deserting you. Verse 15 says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Nympha, we can pray, Lord, help me to open my home to others for the sake of the gospel. Do you open your home? Do you show gospel hospitality? Hospitality for the sake of Jesus. Now, I think that can be easy for some people, not so easy for others. For some people, it's easy just to be social. But are you doing it with a gospel intent? And for others, it's hard to be social. And so you have to kind of push a little bit. But the motivation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Hey, these are people, these are some of my neighbors who don't know Jesus. I just want to open my home to them so they can feel the love of Jesus, that through my hospitality, perhaps they're just drawn a little bit closer to the Lord. Verse 16 says this, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Okay, that just reminds me, we can read the scriptures. Okay, simple enough, I didn't get much out of that verse, and that's okay sometimes, right? You just Keep going. Verse 17 says this, And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. We don't know much about Archippus, but we know that he has received some kind of ministry in the Lord, and Paul is wanting the Colossians there to encourage him, to challenge him to fulfill it. So my question for you is, has God given you a ministry of some kind that you need to fulfill? Do you need someone to challenge you? I know the Lord's asked you to do this. Do it. I know you can do this. You have this gifting. I want to encourage you in it. Fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given. Or perhaps you need to go, I know the Lord's given me a ministry. I need to fulfill it. We can pray, Lord, help me to encourage others. Help me to challenge others. Lord, help me also to fulfill the ministry that you've given to me. And then the final verse, verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Remember my chains. Those are powerful words. (laughs) And it's just another reminder to pray for those who right now, today, as we gather in this church, are sitting in a prison somewhere or being persecuted somewhere because of their faith in Jesus. And we can pray for them. So that is big idea number one. Pray the Bible. This is how you can use a list of verses that don't seem to be teaching any particular point and use it to guide your prayers. I have two other big ideas. but They will be relatively brief. The second big idea is be part of the team. When I think of Paul... He mentions ten people by name in this passage, right, when we read it. Ten people by name. Eight of them are people who are with Paul or Paul has just now sent. Only two of them, Nympha and Archippus, are people who are there. Eight of the ten people are part of Paul's team. Now, when I think of Paul, I think of the powerful instrument of God he was. I think about the impact he had For Christ in the ancient world, in all the churches he started. I think about all the letters, the amount of the New Testament that he wrote. Rarely do I think of all the other people that were involved in helping and supporting him do that. But there clearly were plenty of other people who were helping him do this. Ministry is rarely a solo sport. Ministry is a team sport. Steneric is your new lead pastor, and he is fantastic. Scott Stonehouse is a very big fan of Stenaric, right? He is incredibly intelligent. He has a wonderful sense of humor. He is an excellent communicator. Should I mention handsome and humble? What, What else did you tell me to say about you? No, no. I'm kidding. He's great, though, but he's one person. How many people did it take this morning... To make this morning happen. From from the people who watch the little kids. From the people who greet people at the door. The the people, the musicians who are helping lead us in worship. There are lots of people beyond Steneric, Every week. That work together. To make sure that Sunday morning is a good experience for the people of God here at Trinity Fellowship Church. Are you... A part of the team. Are you a part of the team? I want to encourage you to be a part of the team. Find a place to serve. Now, it might be in Trinity Fellowship within these walls. It might be outside the walls of Trinity Fellowship Church. That doesn't matter. What matters is being a part of the team that is working for the kingdom of God. Okay, third and final big idea is to be faithful and be forgotten, to be faithful and be forgotten. We know something about some of these people because their names were recorded. A couple of them we know a little bit more about. Some of them we just have their name, that's it. And there were plenty in those churches at Colossae, at Hierapolis, at Laodicea. We don't even know their names. And that is true for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation of Christians who have lived faithful but forgotten lives in their local churches. And we are the beneficiaries of all of those generations of faithful but forgotten people. And we should want to be a part of that for our children and our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren, and people we will never, ever see. Now, let me make a confession. The phrase, be faithful and be forgotten, is a little bit of a shock value, right? Uh, That's why I use it to try and make a point, but it's not completely true. It is helpful in reminding us that we should not be serving the Lord to become famous and to become important. Right, John the Baptist says, he must increase, right, he's talking about Jesus. Look, he must increase, I must decrease. That should be our attitude. The author, Ronnie Martin, points out that in Psalm 112, verse 6, it says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. And Paul, the same guy writing this, writes to Timothy, and he reminds him of the faith of his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, right? And we can all think of people that we loved and respected and knew who have already died but who lived lives worthy of the gospel that encourage us to live lives worthy of the gospel. So when I say be faithful and be forgotten, I don't really mean that. We should be faithful and we should be willing to be forgotten, Because most of us will be by most people, but we will be remembered by those who love us and by the Lord. In fact, we will be rewarded by the Lord for our work in Christ. So let me wrap up by saying this is not the most important message you have heard in the Colossians series. It might, in fact, be the least important message you've heard the entire series. But like the Andes mints at Olive Garden, it still has some value. And so I pray that these three ideas that I've shared with you can be an encouragement to you in the future as well as today. When you come across passages like this, that are easy to skip over, easy to think they're unimportant. I pray that you can remember to pray the Bible. Use these kind of verses to prompt you to guide your prayers, that you will remember to be part of the team and that you will be encouraged to be faithful and be forgotten, but not really. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I do thank you for Trinity Fellowship Church. Lord, I thank you for these brothers and sisters who are living faithful lives in this area. And I pray that you would bless them Lord, I pray that you would help them uh, when they come across these passages in the future to remember that they can use them to prompt their prayers. I pray that each of them would find a place where they can serve and they can be a part of the gospel team, whether that's serving here at Trinity or outside the walls of Trinity. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of them to live faithful lives that they would be willing to be forgotten, but that they would trust and they would know that they will not be forgotten. That living lives worthy of the gospel will be an encouragement to those who know us and follow us, and that you, Lord, will remember us and reward us on that day. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.